If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a course design expert, award-winning teacher, and online learning expert, Rebecca Frost-Cuevas is founder and CEO of Learn and Get Smarter, Inc., and the author of the new book, Course Design Formula, How to Teach Anything to Anyone Online. Over the last 12 years, she's helped leading-edge thinkers develop online courses because she's found that most experts really struggle structuring their content to create an effective and engaging course. That's why she developed her proprietary course design formula to cut through the stress and overwhelm that is a natural part of trying to structure complex creative ideas into an online course. Wow, Rebecca, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to the show and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Thank you, Susan. It's so delightful to be here. I'm excited to talk with you and to uh, discuss course creation and book marketing and how they go together. Well, it's a great place to start because, as you know, most of our listeners already have a book. Many of them have nonfiction books. And if our authors wanted to turn their book into a course, how would they even think about going about that? Well, they really have an advantage over people who haven't written a book because they've already gone through the process of structuring their expertise into a large project and they've finished it. That's a huge advantage. It's also a bit of a challenge, though, because now that they've gone through all that work and they've put their expertise into a specific form, now they've kind of got to start again, not from the book, but from the overshadowing archetype that the book was made from. So in other words, they kind of have to go back to their source material and think, okay, what is the goal of the course? How is it going to be a complement to the book, an enhancement, an extension, a deeper dive into part of the book, or an implementation piece? So that's the first thing to get clear on. What is the relationship of the course to the book? And what is their purpose for creating the course. So they need to start there because the course is going to be a new format, a new iteration of their expertise. And it's going to be different than the book, even if it's dealing with the exact same material. What comes to mind for me, and you know, you and I've had many conversations about this, is that I've got so much material I really don't know where to start with it all, even though I know what I want as the goal for the book. What would you say to somebody like myself, and authors may be in the same position struggling with this too much content? Well, it's actually a wonderful problem to have. And I would say that 
every expert I work with has that problem. And it's like you're wealthy. You have a lot of expertise. But the question is, how are you going to serve it up to your target audience? I would say that, again, first thing to do is get clear in their own mind why they're choosing to create a course. And then there are some course marketing procedures that have to do with thinking about who's going to buy the course and for what purpose. It probably would be very good for an author to talk to their target audience and find out, which they probably are already doing because their book is out there, and find out what is it from the book that people are wanting to go deeper into or wanting to learn how to implement as a how-to type of piece if it's a nonfiction book. That would be the first step to get really clear on exactly what the transformation that the course is going to deliver. Once they're clear on that, the formula itself makes it very fast and very easy to structure their content in a way that will deliver that transformation. But what I always tell people is, uh, this comes from Sesame Street, from one of my favorite songs on Sesame Street, which is that you've got to put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. But basically, if you're holding on to the way that you've been doing something too tightly, which is the ducky in this case, it will make it impossible to play the saxophone because your hands are already full. So playing the saxophone here represents creating the course. What I tell people to do is imagine you've got a treasure chest to the side of your work area and put your content, your expertise, even your book in that treasure chest and it will be there. It will be safe for you. And now we're going to apply the course design formula as a instructional design process that will help people learn what you want to teach them. And all that material from your book is going to come back and get put into the right places in your course. But we have to set the structure you've already created for your book aside long enough to design the course properly, and then we'll populate it with your content. You mentioned the course design formula. Tell us more about this formula and how we can use it to create our course. Well, the first thing is, you know, as I just said, get clear on the purpose of the course, get clear on the portion of your expertise that you want the course to focus on and how that relates to your book, and then get clear on the transformation that you want your course to deliver. That's like your point B. If you're taking your learners from their starting point, point A, to a transformation that they want, point B, Your course is going to be like a road that connects those two points. First, you have to get really clear on what the goal is for your course. And then you have to get clear on what's point A. Where are your learners starting from? Where are your readers at or, you know, your future course participants that with respect to your expertise and what they want to gain by taking a course from you? Once you've defined those Then we design the course as a very well-structured path that gets your future course participants from their starting point to that transformation that they want so that you have a tribe of raving fans and repeat customers who are so thrilled with the real changes that your course has made in their life that they just keep coming back for more. You said a few things that really are very important. And one of them goes back to something you said earlier, Rebecca, and that is about asking your target audience, what do they want to learn more about? I know I've made this mistake several times is creating a product, thinking that people want it, 
but they don't necessarily want it. So by asking your target audience, I feel that that's critical here. The other thing you said was a starting point because, yeah, it may be a 101 course, but it could be more advanced. Talk to us about different types of courses that there are out there or that you could consider creating. The course design formula is based on a lot of research into how people learn different types of material most effectively. And this is based on the work of educational theorist and researcher Robert M. Gagné. And he discovered that there are five big types of learning based on how people learn. He called those the five domains of learning. You can think of them as how they are going to relate to both your course as a whole and also parts of a course. Like your course could be one type of learning as a whole and have one type of goal. And within it, you could have smaller goals that are actually different types. Part of the course design formula's adaptability is that it works with your exact subject matter in any type of complexity, in any type of permutation that you need it to, and it adapts and adjusts to make everything in your course a great learning experience, whether it's the big structure of your course to a module or a chapter, depending on what you call you know, the sections of your course, all the way down to a lesson or even a specific, what's called a learning object, like a, a PDF or a video. The five types of learning, the five domains of learning that Gagné identified are verbal information is the first one. And that's what we often think of as what's presented online. Just verbal information, declarative knowledge would be, for example, can you recite the days of the week in Spanish? Can you tell me about the origin of the Declaration of Independence? Being able to state facts or to list or describe all the way up to complex verbal functions like comparing and contrasting different systems of thought or describing the benefits and disadvantages. That's verbal information. And a lot of online teaching is in that realm, especially at the level of the actual lesson that the learner's interfacing with. It's really important that we make verbal information simple and clear and easy to understand. But that's only one type of learning. There's four other types. The next type is attitudes or mindset. And so many online courses either are mindset courses or more often they may have a mindset component because it's critical that people have the right attitude to whatever they're learning in order to be able to be successful. Then we have how-to courses, which is, of course, a huge area of learning of, of all kinds and especially online learning. My book and course, How to Teach Anything to Anyone Online, that's a how-to topic. So at the end of a how-to course, your learner's going to have a skill that they didn't have before. And they'll be able to follow a set of rules or procedures in order to achieve a, a certain result. And then you have cognitive strategies, which are ways of learning how to learn. So for those, you have some that are very obvious, like how to ace the law school admission test, study strategies for learning a language fast. Those are obviously cognitive strategies. But even some things that aren't in the academic area would fit into this. For example, how can you tell if someone's telling the truth based on their body language? That would be a way to learn how to learn about what people really mean based on their body language. 
And then we have motor skills, which are movement activities that you do with your physical body. Just to review those, we had verbal information, we had attitudes, we had how-to skills, cognitive strategies, and motor skills. And each of those has a different set of ways to teach them based on how people learn that type of material best. One of the things I do in the course design formula is make it very simple for people to apply those learning structures to their material. What you're saying is each one of those would fill a different course purpose. Is that correct? Right. You start with the course purpose, though. You start with the transformation that you want your course to achieve. So I'll just take mine as an example, because I have a book and a course, How to Teach Anything to Anyone Online. The book gives a lot of the background and the philosophy and the research, and the book gives you space to really delve into ideas in a deep way. How am I going to help people implement that? That's why I created a course. And the course reiterates some of that, but it goes much deeper into the actual implementation piece so that at the end of the book, you're going to really understand the course design formula. At the end of the course, you're going to be able to apply the course design formula to your own content. That's one of the differences between a book and a course. I'm not sure if I answered your question, though. But you did very well, even more. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) One of the things that comes up for me, Rebecca, is, and I'm somebody who does this a lot, I buy a course, I start it, but I might not finish it. We've all done it, Susan. I've done it too. In fact, I go into an example, which I'm not proud of in my book, of a time that I signed up for a course that I really wanted, and it was expensive, and it was well-designed, and it was something I'd been passionate about since I was a child, and I didn't finish it. And at the same time, I was in a different course that I didn't want to take, but I was required to take. And I finished it and actually ended up even enjoying it. So I don't want to give away all the mystery, but I go into in the book on my section on motivation, because I myself was so puzzled by that. So I analyzed it. I even made up some math to help make it clear sort of the numbers that tell you why this worked and that didn't. But what it really comes down to is We could either be internally motivated, like you bought the course because you want to learn the subject matter, or externally motivated, like you've got to do this for your degree or some legal requirement or job requirement. For most of us as independent online course creators, we're not going to have the benefit of those external requirements breathing down our students' necks. They're going to have to be internally motivated as you and I were when we bought those courses we didn't finish. What I help people do is understand how to structure your course in a way that gets past that phenomenon, because it happens a lot. Partly it's because it may take too long to achieve results, and so people kind of get discouraged, or they say, well, I've got this, it's here, I can just do it anytime, and then other things kind of get in the way, and they just never get back to it. It's important to build a lot of short-term wins at every step of the way. And I don't mean artificial wins like you got a badge or a certificate. Those are fine. But the real wins are you feel like you can do something that's important to you that you didn't know how to do before. That's why the course design formula is so important because it helps people 
structure their course in a way that makes real learning happen in little increments every step of the way. And that's what keeps learners engaged and keeps them coming back for more. This begs the question, is there an optimum length of a course? The optimum length is the length that it takes to get your learners to the transformation. That will vary depending on the subject matter. I do think that if your course gets too long, it can be harder for people to see the end results that they want. I know that for my first version of the course design formula, I think it was a little too short. And that's part of the answer too. You have to test it with your students and see what's going to work best for your material and your learners. I ran it for seven weeks and at the end of seven weeks, people didn't want to leave. I'm going to run it again for 12 weeks. You know, I also have mini courses that you can complete in less than an hour. I really love the idea of building mini courses and actually using them as the modules in my big course. And that way, every week, people have completed a small course. And then at the end of however many weeks it's going to take to cover the subject matter, in my case, it's going to be 12, they will have completed all those modules as well as the introductory matter and the bonuses and the next steps and so forth. But it really will depend on what you're teaching. I do think that many experts tend to want to teach everything they know all at once. I call that serving a whole cow. If you think of your knowledge as a cow or even a herd of cattle, If you're offering people a steak dinner and they show up for your course and what you're really serving them is your expertise in a raw, unprocessed form, that is like serving a whole cow instead of a steak dinner. It's not digestible and people can't really do anything with it. I really take people through a structured process of looking at what your cow or even your herd of cattle, you know, your the whole body of your expertise, what is that? And then think about different ways that you can divide that into digestible portions where people can see a a relatively quick end result and transformation that keeps them coming back for more. And that makes so much sense. And I love that when I heard that the first time and going through your course design formula as well is like, I keep visualizing that cow because I'm the first one to want to serve up that whole cow thinking that I'm doing people a disservice if I'm not giving them everything. But on the contrary, I think I am doing them a disservice by trying to give them everything. Would you agree? I would agree, Susan. And I think you just perfectly summed up what every expert goes through. It's only normal. I mean, we're filled with passion about our expertise and we want to share it with the world. And that's a wonderful thing. The piece that people haven't realized outside of, say, academic contexts or where instructional design is a known quantity. But in the online course creation market, what people don't realize is that you have to process your expertise in order to make it learnable. Basically, what the course design formula does, both the book and the course, is explain what that process is that has to happen and take people through the steps. You know, having the whole cow is great. You have to start with something, right? That's your raw material what a lot of people do to to create a course is they just start by making a video. And that's another thing that I talk about, which is media creation and selection is one of the last steps that we should go through. Just as if you were having a restaurant and deciding what to serve to people, you know, actually cooking the food is one of the last things you do. I mean, first you decide what do people want and what's the goal of this restaurant? What's going to be on the menu? How are we going to get our food here? And then only do the actual cooking 
at the end, because once you're clear on what you're cooking and why, and that's the same process I take people through. People see the end products, they see videos and PDFs online, but in order for those to be effective, they have to be part of a structured learning journey. That's what I'm passionate about teaching people. How do you structure a learning journey? The end product of an online course is not a PDF or a video or a series of those. The end product of an online course is learning. We need to understand how to produce learning to begin with, and then we have to understand how to produce learning online and how that differs from producing it offline. Because many of my clients and customers are already very skilled teachers in the offline space, or if they've written a book, obviously they're very skilled experts at sharing their knowledge in a book. What makes presenting it online different? Those are some of the things we have to go into. What is learning? What is teaching? How does teaching online differ from teaching that's not online? And what can you do well or not well in each context? And then how do you get there? How do you make that happen? I feel as if I'm, I'm getting the cow, which is amazing. I'm loving it. In this arena, what about mistakes that you find that people who want to put together a course are making? I know that you've mentioned a few, but uh, what about some more mistakes? The first mistake that people make is thinking that you can just digitize, take, for example, a successful offline teaching experience that happens in a classroom or a workshop, and just put it into some digital medium, like a video or a PDF, and put it online, and that that will create an effective and engaging online course. That's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. It's understandable. It's a normal, intuitive thing to do. It just doesn't work. Another mistake people make is not having a single clear learning goal for their course. So in other words, they just think, oh, I'll create an online course to share what I know. So in a sense, they're kind of structuring their course the way they would structure a talk that they might give if they were invited to, to present their expertise to a group at an hour-long meeting. That works very well for helping people understand you and your work and your career, but it doesn't help them achieve the same transformation that you've achieved in your life. The mistake is presenting the material from your own point of view, from your expert point of view, rather than understanding the learner's point of view and presenting it from their point of view. And that's very hard to do because you can't unknow what you know. There's actually something called the expert blind spot, which makes it really hard for experts to realize what novice learners need to know that the expert knows. That's why, again, I'm providing you with a structured way that ensures you teach it from the learner's point of view rather than your own expert point of view. I love that expert blind spot because you're right. I know that I think that just because I know it, that everybody else is going to know it. But I know that that's not the case. And going into a course, taking for granted that people know something that perhaps they really don't know. That's true of every expert. It's unavoidable. So all we can do is be prepared for that and have some structures in place to help us compensate for that. How can our listeners find out more about you, your services, and of course, the course design formula? I would love to have them visit my website at learnandgetsmarter.com. I've also created a special link just for listeners of this podcast which is learninggetsmarter.com forward slash book marketing mentors podcast. If they get on my mailing list, I would be thrilled to hear from them and answer any questions. 
We also have a community on Facebook, which, and I'll make all those links available so that people don't have to try to remember them. And I have free materials. I have a free course about don't serve a whole cow, as well as a, a small course about finding your point A. And then, of course, I've got the course design formula master course, which gives you the whole shebang of how to implement the formula. And they can also sign up for a free coaching session with me, a strategy session. They want to talk about their course design situation and look at ways that I might be able to be of service to them. So I think if they go to learnandgetsmarter.com, my website, they can start there. And I'd love to have them on my mailing list and join my Facebook community. Fantastic. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. So listeners, if you're driving this time or jogging or whatever you're doing, exercising, and you can't uh, write that down, I'll put it in the show notes. Just check that. Fantastic. And Rebecca, if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? I know you've given us a lot already, but let's have one more. Well, I like to think of the course design formula as an app for your mind. In other words, it takes a little time to learn the formula, but once you've learned it, it's like having the structures in your own mind that will make you able to design any course on any topic in a way that's effective, fun, and fast. I don't know if that counts as a golden nugget, but I think that once we've built learning structures, then we can use them in multiple ways in our real lives. That's certainly my goal is to help my learners adapt and adopt the things that I teach so that they can use them. And the way that I'll know they're successful is when they get rave reviews from their learners. That's what I want to see. I want to help people light up the planet one mind at a time. That's my mission. That's what I'm here to do. And the way we can do it is through great instructional design for online courses that's fun and effective and easy to apply. I hope to see everybody creating courses that just are so energizing and so inspiring for their target audience. Well, you've certainly been energizing and inspiring. So thank you so much. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded. So visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.